Hey church, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to stand before you this morning and share the word on this uh, last gathering of 2020. Uh, and this morning, uh, we are going to continue on in our series of Prince of Peace, and today's topic is not going to be uh, uh, a light one. Today, we're going to talk about Prince of Peace, justice and righteousness, okay? Justice and righteousness, and what a timely word for an incredible year that we've been through. And so uh, before I get into it, though, I want to ask you a question, and here's the question. The question is, have you ever waited for something for a very long time that you actually forgot that you were waiting for? Or have you, uh, or, or that you've been waiting for so long that you've just resigned yourself that you said, I'm never going to receive it, right? Uh, anybody there? Because I've been. I don't want to trivialize this, but, but that, that was me, and here's my story. Uh, whenever I started learning how to drive, uh, uh, I just remember thinking, I, I remember getting into my brother's car at the time because he started driving before. I was 10 years old, and I remember that my brother caught me, and it was so embarrassing, but uh, I remember sitting in the driver's side of the car, and I was it was in park in the driveway, and I was pretending like I was driving, you know, and I was turning, and I guess I mumbled, or at least I I. I, I you know, said it out loud, but the, everything was up, so he couldn't hear me, but at least he was able to read my lips, because I remember saying, I can't wait till I drive. <laughs> and so I started learning how to drive at the age of, I think it was 15, somewhere in there. My dad started showing me how to drive, and, and you know, he started showing me how to drive in, in my mom's automatic car, because my dad always had a stick shift, and, and so, so learn how to drive. I got my license, and my dad's like, I'm going to go buy you a car, and I said, Dad, this is the car that I want. Will you please just get me this car? I really just need this car. What he didn't know is that in the back of my head, I was like, I need this car because I need to pick up ladies. <laughs> and so I, I just needed this particular car. I'm not going to tell you just yet. And so my dad's like, don't worry, I'm going to go get you a car. And so he he went out, and as, he, as I'm, I'm waiting in anticipation, as he's coming home, and as, he's, as he drives up, he drives up in a 2001 white Mazda 626. Oh, yeah. And as he's driving up, I was, <laughs> I was like, no. oh, dear God. <laughs> This is not a lady picker-upper. This is not the one that I... And so, and so, you know, just I was just so bummed because it wasn't the car that I had in my mind. It wasn't the car that I had told him. And, and not only that, but, but he... Mind you, I learned how to drive in an automatic car. And whenever I learn how to drive in an automatic car, uh, I got into it because now I'm excited. I got my own car, and when I get into it, it's a stick shift. And so, double whammy, okay? Now, I need to be able to have one hand on the steering wheel, one hand on the stick shift, so there's no hand-holding that was going to happen here. <laughs> so then I was like, Dad, come on, man. So, so, so Dad knew what he was doing, and one day, uh, I, uh, Dad, if you're watching this, because he, he has been watching our services, so if you're watching this, I'm sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot here. But one day, he, uh, I went outside, and he's like, hey, I'm going to take your car, I'm going I'm to go clean it, I'm going to go get the oil changed, all of that. I was like, great. And so he took it, and then, and then uh, he comes back, and he comes back in a 1998 red Ford Ranger. Where's my car? And he's like, well, I was cleaning it in Washington, and somebody said that they would buy it from me, so I sold it to him, and I immediately found this red Ford Ranger for you. And I was like, no, 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 you're going the opposite direction of what I want you to go in. I don't want this small pickup. Give me the big one if you're going to give me a pickup truck. Nothing against you if you have a Ford Ranger. I'm just, this is my story, not yours, Okay. <laughs> And so again, a stick shift car, a stick shift truck, and this is, this is actually the car that uh, Lauren met me in, and you know, it wasn't so much of a lady picker-upper, but you know, we'll see. Uh, we were just friends at the time, because she definitely wasn't dating me in that. So then I was like, Dad, come on. And this whole time I'm telling my dad, I really want this car. I really just absolutely need this car. And he goes, okay. 
I'll tell you what. You tell me how much you can afford, and then I will go get it for you, and then you can make the payment. So I gave him an amount, and I thought it was like a, you know, I'm, I'm really stretching here. And, and to not make this uh, story too long, uh, he came home, and he showed up in a 2001 gold Toyota Camry. And I said, hey, Dad, I don't have kids. <laughs> And so he's like, but it's within the price range. I'm like, that's not the car I told you. He goes, he said, well, I couldn't find the car that was within your price range, and you keep begging me for a car, so I decided that I was going to get you this gold 2001 Toyota Camry, and I was just bummed. Now, mind you, this was a good car because this was the car that Lauren and I started dating in, and if you know Lauren, Lauren's my wife, and she eventually became my wife, but here's the deal. One day, I'm sitting outside or I forgot what I was doing, but I just remember one day looking up, and when I look up, I see this car that's turning the corner into the street that I live in, and I'm like, no, there's no way. And so as it's driving up, here comes my dad and the, with a, a burgundy 2004 Volkswagen Jetta. Now, what you don't understand is that my family are big Volkswagen fans. Like, like I'm telling you, my, my, uh, my uncles and my cousins, uh, at least my dad's cousins, they're Volkswagen-like fanatics to the point where they have, like, they, to this day, they probably still have the 1980 Volkswagen Rabbits, you know, with 400,000 miles on it. They're like, these are great cars, you know? And so here am I with a 2001 Volkswagen Jetta, and my dad's like, I got it. And I just can't forget that day when it was my dreams at the time were realized. And I was just saying, Dad, you are the man. <laughs> and that's when I decided to propose to Lauren and she became my wife. And, and I had that car like, you know, two years into our marriage. And then the transmission went out, typical VW. Uh, and, and I got rid of it. And I'm driving what I'm driving today. But here's what I'm trying to say with this. And I'm not trying to trivialize this. But there was a long wait that I was waiting for to the point where I even resigned myself. I'm never going to get it. I'm just going to be in this gold Camry for the rest of my life. And then, and then all of a sudden, my father shows up with a car of my dreams, with my heart's desire. And so when we read then in uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 9, beginning in verse 6, we've been in this passage of Scripture, and I want to set up the context. I want that story, like I said, not to trivialize justice and righteousness, but to be able to set up the context of the story. And kids, look at me real quick. Before we are done today, you are going to help me preach this morning, okay? So be ready to hear what I have to say, and then I'm going to call you up here, and we're, you're going to help me preach. Deal? All right, here we go. All right, so Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, and we'll read, to, read it like this, and we have been in this passage, and it says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Excuse me. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So what is the context? Uh, Isaiah the prophet is prophesying when the people of God are under an Assyrian captivity and they remain under this captivity waiting for a Messiah to come and deliver them, for to, a Messiah or a ruler who would come to set all wrongs right. And so as they're waiting for this, uh, Isaiah prophesies, and he says, first of all, it's not going to be this, this, this grown warrior that they were probably expecting for, but, but what, what, the way that this Messiah was going to come was as a child. That God's purpose and God's power is displayed in the fact that he is bringing a Messiah that is going to be a child that is born, a son that is given. 
You following me? And so there is uh, two things here. There is, uh, I, I want to talk about the nature of this king and this kingdom, okay? The first thing about the nature of this king and this kingdom is that it was going to be forever. To them, uh, at that time, David's throne was meant to rule over the people of God and over their nation. Now, one of the things that, you, that th this particular passage calls out is that this kingdom was not going to be a kingdom that would last for a time or a king that would last for, for a short amount of time, but it was going to be a kingdom that was forever. If you look at the language, it says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So the nature of this king and the nature of this kingdom is a kingdom that, and a king that was to last forever. Everybody say forever. The second thing is that this, the nature of this king and this kingdom is that it was going to be a perfect king and a perfect kingdom. We see this in verse 6 that when, when, when the prophet says that he will be called a wonderful counselor. The word wonderful is the closest Hebrew word to the word supernatural. So this is going to be a king that was going to be a supernatural counselor, okay? And, and not only that, but he was going to be a mighty God. He wasn't just going to be any God or the gods that they served, but he was going to be the most powerful God, okay? And he was the everlasting father, so this fatherly love and affection, and it wasn't just going to be a father that was going to love you for a time that would be born, and then one day you would have to bury him, but he was going to be a father that was going to be everlasting, lasting forever. And here, again, he says the prince of peace, where, where the... Um, the, the society that this, that this king and this kingdom was going to produce was going to be a society of peace, of perfect peace. Uh, Donnie, Pastor Donnie last week explained that this means completeness. It means shalom. It means that there is no lack of peace. And so we see that his kingdom or the nature of this king and this kingdom is that it is perfect. So we see it's forever. We see that it is perfect. Uh, J.A. Moyer would say that the perfection of this king is seen in his qualification for ruling as a wonderful counselor, his person in power as mighty God, his relationship to his subjects as everlasting father, and the society his rule creates as the prince of peace. And then the third thing, the third uh, aspect or attribute of the nature of the king of this kingdom is where he, this king and this kingdom is going to be established and upheld by justice and righteousness. Everybody say justice, justice. righteousness. Justice. Now, this is a theme that has been going on throughout scripture leading up to this point. And then we know that, that throughout the rest of the New Testament, we see that this is a continual theme where justice and righteousness are being, um, is the undergirding. It is the, it, it is upon the foundation upon which this throne and this kingdom is being established. We'll get there here in a minute. But let me show you real quick Psalm 97, just, to, just in case. I'm just going to point out one scripture, just in case you don't believe me that this is a theme. Psalm 97, beginning in verse 1, it says, The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice, clouds and thick darkness surround him. And then it says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So here's the psalmist. The same one that is being prophesied here, David and David's throne, he's now, the psalmist is singing that the foundation of this throne is going to be righteousness and justice. So the question then is begged, what is justice and what is righteousness? Everybody say justice. Justice, justice here is the Hebrew word called mishpat. Everybody say mishpat. Mishpat can refer to, it can refer to a retributive justice, right? So when we think about justice, we think about if you do something wrong, there is punishment for the wrong that you did, 
Okay, so if you steal a candy bar from the store, you could be thrown in jail for that. Okay, but it not only refers to a retributive justice, but a theme throughout scripture is that it most often refers to a restorative justice. Okay, where this restorative justice is an active uh, verb. It's an action that gets performed. It's a seeking out the vulnerable that need help and you help them. It's to advocate for the vulnerable, and you change social structures to prevent injustice. So this is not just a passive word. This is an active word. Everybody say active. So when we talk about justice, this is not, again, a retributive. It's not about a retribution or a payback, but it's about healing and renewal of the world. I'm going to pause there and say la that moment. Then we go into righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. The, word, the Hebrew word here for righteousness is sedekah. Everybody say sedekah. Sedekah is, is an ethical standard that refers to right relationship with one another. It's, it's a, it's in other words, that if you are righteous with your neighbor, you are treating them as the image of God that they are. So when you take mishpat and sedekah together, when you take justice and righteousness together, what does it produce? It produce a, it produces a radical selfless way of life. Where the response then, so we have the nature of this kingdom. So what is the response now that this throne upon which this king is ruling from and upon which this kingdom is being expounded on, what is the response of the king of his kingdom? It's not a passive throne. It's not a passive kingdom or a passive way of ruling. It is a active way of ruling. It is a seeking out to make wrongs right. It is a seeking out to heal. It is a seeking out to renew. It is a, 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 an, a, an opportunity and an activity to be able to restore completeness or peace. It is to rebuild what was once destroyed. This is not a king that is, in many ways, sitting on this throne. I get this picture that uh, Lauren, one, one Christmas, um, we were, she was wrestling with her sisters, and then her sisters, uh, she somehow got, was able to sit on top of both of her sisters on this couch that Christmas, and she, and she screams out, feed me grapes, you peasants. But it's not that type of king where this picture is. He's sitting on a throne and just getting fat off of what his peasants are feeding him. No, it's in many ways, it's, it's, a, it's an empty throne, not empty of authority and power, but it's an empty throne because this king would rather be out uh, seeking justice to do justice and to bring righteousness about rather than sitting back and waiting for people to come to him. You don't believe me? Isaiah 30, verse 18, that later on, Isaiah goes on and he says this, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up and show you compassion. He, for the Lord, what? Is a God of justice and blessed are all who wait for him. So this king is actually not waiting for you to come to him and ask him for mercy and clemency. He's actually rising up himself and coming to you to show you compassion. I'm telling you, whenever I was, listening, whenever I was studying this, I, I could hardly contain myself. I can't tell you how many times I preached this to myself over and over and over and over again. And so here's, so what is the fruit? Or, or if we have a nature and we have a response, in this response, there is an expectation that if this king is ruling on his throne and he's ruling over this kingdom, and this is the culture that he's wanting to bring about, there is this expectation that those in this kingdom would do the same. But let's be honest, this, if we look out throughout history of scripture, and then we look even into the New Testament, we see that this expectation could not be maintained. 
We see the breaking down of social structures. We see injustice happening. We see, we, we see the marginalized continuing to be oppressed. We see the poor continually being stolen from the things that the very little that they do have, they were still being, uh, uh, it was still being taken away. There was a, a direct assault by Satan and the kingdom of darkness upon this kingdom of justice and righteousness that then let out into disobedience. That, that the, the people of God would then not, not fulfill and not walk within the expectation of this kingdom of justice and righteousness. And so if you don't know this, and maybe this is the first time that you're at church or you're watching online, one of the major things that we believe here is that we could not do this on our own. So God himself, I need somebody to get excited about that. God himself decided that he was going to rise up to show us compassion he, he decided that he was going to say, I am the Lord God of righteousness and justice, and I'm going to take on flesh, and I'm going to come as the Messiah. And we know that what, what uh, Isaiah is prophesying, we know now that Jesus is, the, uh, is God incarnate. He is the God that put on flesh and came down himself to establish a kingdom of justice and righteousness. The Messiah came. And when he came, he lived a righteous life. What does that mean? That he went about the earth as he walked on this earth and he went about seeking the welfare of others. He went about seeking reconciliation. He went about bringing unity within the people of God. He came about bringing the kingdom, that he lived a righteous life. He was sinless. He was uh, selfless. He was looking out for the well-being of the needy and the vulnerable. So when you read about him uh, laying hands upon a blind man and that blind man seeing when you read about uh, the woman with the issue of blood touching him and she is completely healed, when you read of, of him uh, raising the dead, he wasn't doing that just to show miracles. He was doing that because his kingdom and his, king and his, and his throne was established on justice and righteousness. He was doing that because he was only acting out and responding out of his nature. And why is this good news that he came and healed? Everybody say, I'm vulnerable. I'm needy. It's really hard to say that, right? But if 2020 has taught us anything, is that it has taught us that we are vulnerable. It has taught us that we are needy. And weary world, we get to rejoice because there is a Messiah that has come. And he has come to endure the punishment or the justice for us missing the mark for sin. And through him, we are made righteous. What does that mean to be made righteous? Great question. We are made righteous first and foremost personally. That means that if you, and the picture that I want to paint here is the picture of the cross. If you ever forget this, don't forget this image. The image of the cross, when Jesus is hanging there, when you look at that image, you can say, Jesus has made me righteous. First and foremost, he's made me righteous vertically between me and God. And not only did he make me righteous, in other words, be in right standing with God through him taking on the punishment that I deserve, but, it, but he's restoring all things between me and God. He's restoring a connection between me and the Father. He's restoring the ability to approach that throne boldly between me and the Father. He's, he's restoring the connection that was once there between me and him, and, and we're, we're, we're one now. But not only did he do it vertically, but he also did it horizontally. That when he stretched out his arms, what he was saying was, hey, people, come together. He's establishing a righteousness, a, 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 a right relationship between society. So not only was right, this righteousness that he put on us, this righteousness that he put on us, wasn't just com uh, personal, but it was communal. Everybody say communal. 
So as a society, we walk out in unity. We walk out in, uh, in, in, in uh, not in dissension and not in discord, but we walk out knowing that the reason why Jesus came to die was to establish a right relationship with God, and he's established a right relationship with others. And it's not just this right relationship, but it is a seeking out. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I at least wanted to say that. Justice, remember, is, is being able to um, uh, restore, seeking out the vulnerable that need help and helping them. We advocate for the vulnerable and we change social structures to prevent justice. And to be honest with you, we believe as believers, as those that are part of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Yahweh, the kingdom of Jesus, we believe that we do that by the, by the power or through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do with that? Here's where I want to encourage you. You've heard me say before during this pandemic that there is, uh, there is this thing that Lauren and I try to practice on a regular basis, and it's this idea of faithful presence. Everybody say faithful presence. So I want to unpack this because our response to the nature and the response of the king and his kingdom should be one of faithful presence presence. The way that we walk out the nature in response to the kingdom of God is by practicing faithful presence in two areas. First, it's worship. I don't know about you, but whenever I think about the goodness of God and whenever I think about what God has done and when I think about that he is of forever and always going to be perfectly just and perfectly righteous, when I think about the name of, 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 of these, these attributes of God, that he is going to be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace, my soul can't help but to sing out and worship and worship the father and say, Worthy, worthy, worthy are you. Let's go to Revelation chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. And this is a little bit of a long passage, but I, I want to, in order for you to be able to get a good picture, at least me, I like to be able to know what's in the end so that I can start knowing what is the goal that I'm trying to achieve. And here in Revelation chapter 5, it says, beginning in verse 6, it says, Then I saw the Lamb looking as if he had been slain, standing where? At the center of the throne. And he was encircled by four living creatures and elders. And the Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the land, before Jesus, and each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are what? The prayers of God's people. So your prayers are going before the throne, saints. And they sang a new song saying what? You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals. Why? Because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be what? A kingdom and priest. Uh, be a kingdom and priest to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. What? To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. So everything now is joining in and, it's, and they're saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped him. So I don't know about you, but if this is the end, then church, let's start now. 
Let's, let's start recognizing that this, his throne and rule and reign and his everlasting, proactive, unrelenting love is forever. In Imagining the Kingdom, James K.A. Smith says this. It says, it is in worship that we are caught up into the life of God. We are drawn into union with Christ and thus recruited into this participation that generates Christian action as we go. So the second thing that the nature and response of the king and the kingdom of God is by practicing faithful presence also in Practice. Everybody say practice. Now, church, I want to make, remind you of something here at Antioch, Dallas. At Antioch, Dallas, we say every week that we are sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, practice his ways, and build his kingdom in our city, nation, and nations of the earth. At the end of this service and at the end of every service, we say our declaration. And the last line of that declaration says, we leverage our lives to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And then we say, amen. And then when we say, go in peace, is because we're not just saying those words just to say them. We are saying them because we are ambassadors of reconciliation, where on one hand, we're carrying justice, and on the other hand, we're carrying righteousness, and we're going out into the world in peace, not in disunity, not in discord, not in with, with these lofty arguments that try to uh, tell somebody else why their political view is wrong, but we come about with the kingdom of God and his righteousness and we say his throne and his kingdom is founded and upheld and established on perfect righteousness and on perfect justice. So in practice, this means and this has implications on how we relate to others. Now, I don't want to read the entire Sermon on the Mount this morning or else uh, unless you have time. We're, I'm, here, let's, let's go to Matthew 5. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, but seriously, I want you to go to Matthew 5 real quick. Because this, this year, back in August, we launched a, 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 a vision builder's theme that we want to be about for the year. And, this, and in this theme, we, say, we, we said we want everyone at, at Antioch Dallas to be about being for the city. Everybody said, I want to be for the city. And so when we talk about that, that's not just something that we just dreamed up, but we believe that that is something that was deposited first and foremost on Pastor Zach's heart. And as we continue to lead out and for the city, we're saying this is what we believe that the Lord is asking us to do as Antioch Dallas in the city of Dallas. And we want to be for the city. And how do we, uh, how do we walk out this justice and righteousness for the city that when we meet the practical needs... Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says this, you are the salt of the earth, but the salt loses its salty, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see what? Your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, Scripture calls us to be salt and light in this, on this earth. Church, Antioch, Dallas, we, the way that we build this kingdom in our city, nation, and nations of the earth, the way that we leverage our lives to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, the way that we go about being for the city is by being salt and light. What is salt? Salt preserves. It gives flavor. In that time, they, they would put it on wounds so that it would disinfect wounds. Light. What is light? It lights up the darkness. It lights up anything that could be hidden. In other words, it is goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
That when we walk out as salt and light, we are saying we are wanting to bring flavor into culture and society. And the flavor that we bring is the nature and the response of the king and his kingdom. Mm. And, and, and not only do we bring this salt, but we bring this light that anything that is trying to be hidden, any injustice that is hidden, any, any um, um, uh, uh, sorry, when, when the vulnerable are being exploited, we uncover that by shining a light on it. When the poor are being marginalized and whenever, whenever those that are of a different skin color than us are being, are being hated against for no apparent reason, we as a church light, shine a light on that injustice and that unrighteousness. Hmm. And we do so by going into our neighbors and we and it, by going to our neighbors first. And we and, and as we said that we want to be for our cities and we want to bless our neighbors. The way that we do that is that we go out and we bless our neighbors. We go out with salt and with light and we say we want to be loving to our neighbors. We want to serve our neighbors. Hey neighbor, here's this pie. In the name of Jesus, yes. Hey, neighbor, heard you just had a baby. Here's a meal. Hey, neighbor, I heard that your car broke down. How much is it going to cost? Because I want to be able to pay for that neighbor. <laughs> hey, neighbor, uh, I, 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 heard, I heard that there is a death in the family. I don't have the words to say, but I want you to know I'm here for anything you may need. And it's not forgetting about it in the first few weeks, but when everybody else is gone, it's showing up again. Hey, I know you had a death in the family. What do you need today? Not only are we going to be meeting uh, or blessing our neighbors, but we want to be about practicing uh, with the one another's with, uh, in Scripture with one another. We want to love one another. We want to serve one another. We want to pray for one another. We want to give to one another. We want to be generous in everything that we do. We want to do this for one another by practicing the one another's of Scripture. Third, we want to get involved. Now listen to me and listen to me clearly. We want to get involved in politics. And the reason why we want to do that is because we want to advocate for the marginalized and those that are, uh, that are marginalized and those that are vulnerable. This is not about a political party. It's about bringing about the kingdom of God into these spheres so that we can influence it with God's perfect righteousness and God's perfect justice. So when we talk about, again, the nature of justice and righteousness, we're saying this is not just a passive, let me write down laws, although that, that is a way to do it, but it is being able to proactively seek the welfare of neighborhoods. It is proactively going about and seeking the welfare and, and meeting the practical needs of our city. It is, it is looking around our neighborhood, and this is the question that I wrestle with on a consistent basis, and I know, please know that your pastors here at this church, we consistently wrestle with this question, and that is, if Antioch Dallas is gone, does our neighborhood miss us? That's the question that keeps me up at night. Because it's the question that says, are we faithfully being present in our practice as a church? And in this time and in this day and age, if you feel like there's unrighteousness and injustice, I want you to know, church, that it is, it is our prerogative. It is our um, time as a church to be able to rise up in the city of Dallas and in our nation and in the nations of the earth to be able to proclaim what God's heart is for the nations. And we've already read that at the beginning, that God's heart for the nations is the restoration of all things. So some people get anxious and nervous whenever there's peace because, and, and, these, and these rumors of peace because we're like, oh, Lord is going to come. But do you know that that is the greatest news of all? That if there's peace going on, it's a, it's a, it could be another sign that Jesus is coming back. And if he comes back, that's the restoration of perfect justice and of perfect righteousness. And that's what I'm looking forward to. 
But in the, uh, but uh, so God calls us as his sons and daughters. He calls us and he says, I'm with you. And he commissions us every single day to do three things daily. You ready? First, he gives us the creation commission and he says, be fruitful and multiply. The second thing is that he gives us the great commission, which says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And third, he gives us a moral commission. And the moral commission is to uh, love one another, or it's, it's to love your neighbor as yourself. It is to do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Can we let our minds and our hearts be transformed to be able to take on the, what Scripture calls us to do by the power of the Holy Spirit? And we say we want to go out and be fruitful and multiply to make disciples and to love one another. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, I fell at that daily. Now, this could be a very bad idea, but kids, where are you? It's time for you to help me preach. Um, I'm going to ask all the kids age three and over, if you can come up here to the platform and I want you to stand all right here on this side, on my left side, right here. If parents, if you have a baby that is wanting to come up here and you feel comfortable coming up here, I want you to come up here with your baby too, because they're going to help me preach as well. Okay. Come on. Come on, kids. What's up, Jaira? What's up, Elam? What's up, Riz? It's good to see you, man. Crew. That's my son, Crew, right there. What's up, Crew? All right, come on. Worship team, if you can come up here too. Okay. You're going to help me. And this is how you're going to help me. This is a secret between me and you. Okay? You ready? First and foremost, when I say three, everybody say three. When I say three, I want you uh, in, a, in a, where they can hear you, okay? Pretend that they're not there. But where they can hear you, I want you to say you are a child of God. Ready? Let's practice. Ready? One, two, three. Say it a little bit louder. Say one, two, three. You are a child of God. Okay. What's up, Junior? You doing all right? It's good to see you. All right. So y'all ready? So when I say three, what are you going to say? Three. You are a child of God. And what I want you to do is I want you to point to them. Okay? You ready? One, two, three. You are a child of God. Point to your mom and dad. I know your mom and dad is up here, but you, you could just point to, point to Sammy. Okay? Do it. Ready? One, two, three. All right, here it is. Now, I know what you're thinking, parents, and you're saying, I fail at what we've been talking about so much every single day, and it can be discouraging. But parents, if you're a parent in here and your child is up here, what is your heart towards your kids? Your heart towards your kids is to every day wake up every single morning and try to be able to instill in them and make disciples out of them and to instill in them this commission that God has placed on us, which is to be able to have this moral commission. You're trying to raise them as, as morally as you possibly can in a positive direction, in a more upright type of way. And sometimes some of these kids, hey, I'm going to speak for crew because I don't, y'all may be perfect, but, but here my son, my son does his best that he can every single day. And we, can, and we tell him every single day, hey, crew, you can do hard things. You can do hard things. So when he says, hey, dad, I can't, we say, hey, no, no, buddy. We don't say we can. We say, teach me how. Okay, so when we talk about being children of God and you're saying, and I want you to know that God in his scriptures calls you sons and daughters. He calls you beloved children. And so if you're afraid to enter into the sphere of justice and righteousness and advocating for those that are uh, uh, vulnerable or needy, one, two, three. Come on, kids. If you're afraid to enter into those spheres, what does God say? One, two, three. If you're, if you're ever wanting to know, how does God look at me? Because I failed miserably. I may not have said that perfectly. One, two, three. You are a child of God. 
I don't know about you, but that gives me so much encouragement because I recognize that every single day when I wake up and I say, Lord, you've all called me to be fruitful and multiply. You've called me to make disciples. You've called me to love my, my neighbor as myself and, and to do unto others as you have called me, as, you, as I want them to do unto me. Lord, I, I don't know how to do this. The Lord says, one, two, three. And it is a loving father. He's the everlasting father that sits on this throne. And he is not just sitting on it, but he's, he's, he's delighting and showing you compassion. That he says, you may have messed up, but one, two, three. And just like you parents would look at your kids and you say, hey, you can get up and do it again. Try again. God this morning, Jesus this morning, the Holy Spirit this morning is saying, you can enter into justice and righteousness. Why? One, two, three. And he is the father that is guiding you and leading you. And he's the one who's going to be with you at all times. Watch this. That as children of God now, this same throne that can be scary whenever you really think about it because we fall short, because we fail, it is because of Jesus now that Hebrews 4.16 says this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Why? One, two, three. So that we may receive mercy and find grace for what? To help. To help us in our time of need. If you read the passage beginning in chapter 3, which you go 3, 4, and you get to this passage, you recognize that Jesus is asking you, or the scriptures is asking you, to enter into the rest of Jesus because he has gone before you. And because he has gone and he now calls you one, two, three, because he calls you that, we are now able to approach this throne of justice and righteousness. And we're able to approach it uh, be, be, uh, to find grace and to find mercy to help in time of our need. So if you're walking through neighborhoods, if you're looking out for the welfare of the city, then the only thing you need to do is say, Lord, I come before your throne and I need help. And because one, two, three, he draws near and he rises up. Now let's do this before they step down. I want us in this last Sunday to be able to pray for these kids that are here. And if you have a kid in your lap, or, or why don't you just lay hands on them? And I want us to pray first and foremost for our children this morning. Because they're going into some very uh, pre precocious times. They are in, a, an, in, in an interesting season. And so Lord, we just begin to pray for our children. We begin to pray, Lord, that you would keep them uh, on the palm of your hand, that they would be hidden under the shadow of the Almighty and under your wings, Lord. And we just pray that your blessing would be over them, that your protection would be over them. We pray, Lord, that, that, that you would just be with them, that they would never know a day without you, Lord. And that as they grow, that, they, that they're part of their testimony would be, I've always known Jesus. And so, Lord, we just pray that as, as, as their parents and as this church, as we come around them and we begin to raise them as disciples, that we would not be afraid to teach them about justice and righteousness and enter in to help the vulnerable and needy because that's what you have called us to do. Lord, teach us to be more like them. So, Lord, we pray a special blessing. And kids of Antioch, Dallas, and even if you're watching, I say, kids of Antioch, Dallas, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so I place the name of the Lord Jesus Christ on you, and he shall bless you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, kids. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Got it, bud? All right. Awesome kids. Now, what are we going to do this morning? We're just going to practice what faithful presence means, and we get to take the first step right now. And the first step is to be able to enter into a time of worship. But before we do so, 
I want you to know that if you're in here today and you say, and you have said, I want to know who this Jesus is, this king that is seated upon the throne. If you're watching us this morning and you're saying, I want to know who this Jesus is, this king who is perfectly righteous and perfectly just, I want you to know that he is the son of God who came down, took on flesh, and he came to establish justice and righteousness, but he also came to put you in right relationship with God. And the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love that he draws near. He stands up out of his throne and he draws near to you to show you mercy, compassion, justice, and righteousness. And I want you to know, friends, that today is that day. You've been through too much in 2020 to get here to this point and be under the sound of my voice and not say, Jesus is Lord. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to know if there's anyone in here that says, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. Raise your hand right there where you're at. I'm not going to make you come to the front. If you're online and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, know that at the end of this, we're going to have our prayer and prophetic team that is going to be available via Zoom to be able to pray with you. And so uh, wait a little bit for instructions, but uh, just know that our prayer and prophetic team is going to be ready and willing to pray with you. So church, just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I have fallen short that I am a sinner. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Save me. I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Lord, I just pray for our church this morning. I pray that this message would be a message that would resound in our ears and in our hearts, that we would just not leave out of here and just let it fall to the wayside, but let it produce fruit. Let a seed germinate into an oak of righteousness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So church, why don't you rise up to your feet right there where you're at, and we're just gonna take a few minutes to be able to worship the Lord, and we'll dismiss here in a little bit. But we're gonna worship the Lord by singing this song, All Hail King Jesus. And as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to picture this throne of righteousness. And in many ways, don't picture a king who may be a fat king kind of sitting back on his throne and just, and just being fed, but envision a king who is coming and drawing near to you, who's compassionate, and he's showing you perfect justice, perfect righteousness, and a perfectly fatherly love. In Jesus' name, God bless you.